We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Just flew in from CSM, and boy, are my arms tired. I promise that'll be it. Uh, returning from CSM in Texas, back to upstate New York, and it feels like, well, it feels like exactly the same. This is PT Pinecast. We like to say it's got great physical therapy conversations on tap. You can find us on the socials at PT Pinecast, on Instagram, Twitter, on the Facebook. Also, the website is uh, ptpinecast.com, where you can find, you support the show. Some people actually were out at San, in San Antonio at CSM, and they were like, hey, where do I get, you, always, you? I feel like you're always drinking with that can koozie, this one, which looks very similar to a major soft drink logo. Similarity, though, my lawyers have told me it's different enough. Uh, you can get all this sort of stuff, PT gear at ptpinecast.com. We've got a store, ship it right to you bunch of uh, t-shirts actually just went out today. Uh, so that is on the website again, ptpinecast.com. Uh, Before we get started, we do want to say thanks to uh, to some of our sponsors. Just saw their booth down at uh, CSM, uh, Physical Therapy and Balance Centers. That's an organization created by PTs for PTs in private practice. Did you know, on average, a practice that joins the physical network grows more than 40%. That's a good amount of percents. Uh, you also don't lose autonomy. All right, it's, it's your clinic. So if you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adopting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That's physicalfranchise.com, F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, franchise.com. We just did a, uh, an episode with Rick Douglas. We called it Don't Look Up. He was talking about the things that are coming our way in the profession. Yeah, you got you to keep your eyes open for that. Also want to uh, say thanks to our friends from MW Therapy, EMR Costs, Grown out of control? Are you annoyed? Is it just frustrating? Does your EMR just a pain in the ass? And you use that thing a lot, a lot. I just had a conversation about EMRs. We've got an episode that we're putting together now about why you're probably using your EMR wrong or ineffectively. We're going to share that. So uh, check out our friends at MW Therapy, mwtherapy.com. It's mwtherapy.com. We're switching. Your EMR is easy. All right. Um, I'll get the serious music on here. There we go. That feels serious. Uh, we're going to get into some stuff today that we were talking about on Twitter. If you're following along on the conversation, we're going get, to get into a few uh, different conversations. The one that really struck me was the fact that we're talking about side hustles for people with doctoral degrees. Nothing against it. I host a podcast. That's a side hustle. But we're going to talk about side hustles, side gigs for student loan elimination. We also have to talk about the big bigger idea which is the fact that people are people with dpts are actively seeking side hustles to help offset student loans so we're going to do that uh with uh with a friend who we've known for a while first time on the show though i couldn't believe that so let's kick this thing off let's go Here we go. This is PT Pinecast. Welcome to the show. As we kick it off, very excited to get back on the microphone. We did a few episodes live out at CSM. You can check those out in the next couple of weeks. We talked. We did another episode with Jamie Schreier in the uh, the vein of PT Hot Seat, which is like two guys screaming at each other in a, into microphones. But we tell stories, so it's exciting. And we talked to two very close friends of mine who were. I, I mean, I look at them like APTA legends. 
Connie Hauser and Sharon Dunn, and they have been friends for a long time. And if you don't know Connie, a lot of people know Sharon. You need to know Connie. And she tells some really, really cool stories about how she launched her very first clinic and then subsequently dozens of clinics later. So she's got some really, really badass insight. Plus, she's just really nice. Uh, but uh, let's bring in our guest now. Uh, physical therapist, professor, student loan and business coach and author. His goal is to help, and I like how he's very objective. He's very specific. His goal is to help at least 222 healthcare clinicians and professors pay off their student loan debts quicker and more efficiently. Let's bring him in the studio. F. Scott Field. F. Scott, welcome to the program, my man. Yeah, man. I uh, finally get to say this uh, after many, many years. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Ah, <laughs> oh, that felt good. Uh, hardest questions are always first. If you're a fan of the show, you know this. Uh, so what are we drinking today? What's on top? Uh, my absolute favorite out of uh, Michigan, Bell's Brewery, Hop Slam. It's only available about five weeks out of the year and now available in Texas. So I am living my best life, man. I've never had Hop Slam. I like Ooh. their Two Hearted. It's a classic. That one's good, but it's that's also available all year round. Pretty easy to get to. Hop Slam, like I said, only available in uh, late February, early March, and that's it. I'm doing something. It's I call it liquid. They call it liquid aloha. So in my koozie, I've got the uh, I got the Kona Big Wave Golden Ale. Uh, nice. So F Scott, cheers to you, my friend. Cheers. Welcome to the show. Uh, first round is brought to you by our friends at Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. BFR is the cool kids are calling it. Uh, OwensRecoveryScience.com is their website they are doing courses all over i know they're doing chicago in march which is like i keep saying like oh march it's a while march is like we're almost in march and then i believe new york in june new york and maryland in june which uh is also on the east coast as well so check out owensrecoveryscience.com and see when they're when they're coming around so i gotta ask podcaster to podcaster man why'd you start and and why are you still going like what do you get out of it right because this is like a geeky thing that you and i both do i have to ask yeah, so uh, we started the Healthcare Education Transformation podcast about five years ago, uh, and Brandon Pone and myself uh, both had bumpy rides through our education, and uh, I didn't realize that I didn't know how to learn until I got through an EDD program, which is insanity, but, uh, you know, I just wrote memorization guy. I was an English major, you know, so transitioning into physical therapy was not a natural progression for me. And I just, I struggled with learning and uh, it took me a bunch of times to pass the NPTE and Brandon had some, some bumpy rides as well. So, you know, we just felt like maybe there was better alternatives to teaching and learning in the healthcare fields. And we didn't know the answers. We weren't educators. We had never even taught a course at the time we started the podcast, but we mm -hmm. thought that maybe if we had bumpy rides and, and tough tough goes at our education. Maybe other people in physical therapy land were experiencing that as well. So we thought, all right, well, let's get the experts on to talk about how the education system in healthcare is broken and what their ideas are on why it's broken. And then let's talk about how they think we should go about fixing it. So, you know, we just kind of took that route. We tried to talk to some doctors and nurses and OTs and speech therapists, dentists, you know, people on all areas of healthcare, so that we could kind of pick and choose maybe some best practices, some things we saw that were really working and, oh, yeah. you know, some things that maybe weren't. Uh, and ever since then, man, it's just been rolling. We've been, I guess we're at about 260 some odd episodes now, 157,000 downloads. I mean, for two dudes sitting around talking about healthcare education, that's not too shabby. 
It's crazy. Con- cheers to you on that. That is cool. Yeah, like it's a lot you. of episodes. People understand how much work goes into each one. Um, you know, we've done more than 900. I'm like, that's a lot of beers drank, but like, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears in there. Yeah. And I think realistically it, it is a labor of love, right? You started out, uh, just because you, you enjoy doing it. And and we, I learned a ton and my network grew tenfold and, uh, you know, that those were all added bonuses and now it's profitable too, which is nice. Um, I, I look at that as someone said something like, Hey, um, step out of, you know, a lot of step out of your comfort zone, talk to students, to professional, no matter where you are in your life, right? The real change happens when you step out of your comfort zone. And someone said, I, w- I was on stage somewhere. I think I was at Ohio state. And someone said like, well, you stepped out of your comfort zone and, and, and launched a podcast. And I stopped them and I was like, I didn't do that. I actually dipped back into my comfort zone. Right. Right. You I cheated. Analogy, I made the analogy of like, I wore, I put, a giant hamster ball around me and I was comfortable in front of a microphone doing this. Now I could take that hamster ball and walk around wherever I wanted. And it sounds like you did something similar, which is like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but like I, if I do it this way, it's on my home court. Yeah. I have a, a little bit of a, a secret that uh, I just shared kind of for the first time uh, at CSM at my, at my talk, I was actually a college radio DJ yeah. at Wake Forest University. So not a lot of people know that. I've sworn the room that I talked into secrecy. They won't recall my my call name. They'll leave it uh, as a secret. They won't share that. If I see it on social, I told them I'm going to be angry. But yeah, I did the college radio for four years at Wake Forest University. But then I, I, I basically left it completely and forgot about it because I had to change my whole English major to PT route. And I was so focused on math and sciences and just getting into PT programs that it kind of lost, I I lost touch with it. So good to be back. English major to PT. um, And then just explain like, like you do a bunch of different, in your intro, physical therapist, professor, student loan and business coach, you've written, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. You know, the, the big thing is the way I try to organize it, right. Is I have an umbrella. And the umbrella is education. I love educating. I love teaching and learning. Now I didn't love learning maybe before, but I'm, I'm learning to learn. So it's, it's pretty nice. And I'm learning how to teach to that learning. So I think the big umbrella is education, right? And then every side gig or side hustle that I've done from here on out has kind of fallen under that umbrella and I've just layered it on, right? So I wrote a book about how to eliminate student loan debt, right? Which is under education. I have a podcast about healthcare education. Right. I do a lot of blogging and, and writing, uh, you know, copywriting, mostly about physical therapy and, and education. I teach courses online, which, again, just education. Right. So there's that common theme that threads through everything. And when you do it that way and you just kind of keep layering and layering and layering things on, it just kind of starts to, to add up after a while. It's a, like a wide umbrella. It's like a golf umbrella at this point. Yeah. It's right, a so nice golf umbrella. Where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the problem or the thing we're doing to put the bandaid on the bullet hole of the problem? So it's, do you want to start with loans? How do we get yeah. Where are we? Or do, like side gigging, how do we try to dig ourselves out of it? Let, let's start with the problem. Let's start at the beginning, right? The number one most given answer to our final question on the HET podcast is if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what would you change and how would you change it? Right. The number one most given answer is cost. And that's what led me to write the book. I was like, well, shoot, if if that's the issue, I got to figure out a way to help with that, right? So I just, I was already doing a bunch of side gigs. I figured, let me put it out there in book form. People can read about it, pick which ones they want and run with it, right? 
But the bigger issue is if we look back at like 1983 to 86 or something like that, there's a graph. If you just Google it, if you Google um, healthcare or not healthcare, I'm sorry, uh, higher education costs graph, right? You'll see it. It runs right in line with inflation, just little by little. The cost of education is going up. And then 83 to 86, it just hockey sticks and it goes off the charts and it's nowhere near inflation. Inflation is still creeping along and cost of education goes through the roof. Um I can't really say what caused that. I think that it's a multifactorial thing where, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, school shifting toward becoming more and more and more of a business as opposed to, you know, areas of higher education, which they still were. But, you know, profits started really coming into the mix when it when it came to the 80s there. You know, that's that's it right there. Yeah, we're looking at yeah. podcast listeners. I just did what F. Scott said. I agree with it. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's kind of nauseating. Uh, <laughs> here, here you have everything in lockstep like in the mm -hmm. 80s you said like about 86 two things really jump up uh educational books and supplies house prices kind of remain the same consumer prices remain the same <laughs> hourly average hourly wage that hasn't moved a whole lot in fact that's the lowest uh that's the lowest on the line but yeah the, the highest one on their college tuition fees and i mean that big jump from like yeah. 1990 to like when i graduated and you graduated 2000 yeah. 2001 2002 and Insane. that was bad, right? These kids, these kids today is what we kept being told. And now look at where these kids are today. Of you know, twenty twelve, this goes up to, and you're looking at between a thousand and twenty uh, twelve hundred times more expensive. That's insane, right? right. Not a hundred, didn't just double. We're talking ten x. Uh, and so there was a stat that was circulating at CSM via Twitter uh, that basically said the at current average. Uh, amount of student loan debt when they exit a DPT program is somewhere in the hundred fifty-two to hundred fifty-four thousand dollar range. Now, uh, I, I love to know we've got a bunch of people watching right now, or if you're watching the replay, and you're bold enough, either give us the. It, some people have no problem just throwing the yeah. figure out. Do that, or just go higher or lower than right. one fifty. Yeah, I'd be glad to offer mine. So I have a, a master's in physical therapy. I've got my BA in English, right? I've got a master's in physical therapy, a transitional doctorate in physical therapy, uh, and an, an, an educational doctorate. I ended up at 140,000. That was my end game, which isn't that terrible when you look at the right. fact that it's four degrees. Um, two of, well, one of which is terminal, one of which is a clinical doctorate. So not too, too shabby in today's standards, you know? However, the master's was kind of taken up. A big chunk of that was paid because it was a state school, right? right? Um, and I pay, I worked through school while I did that. So I paid off that part. But then the transitional doctorate and the EDD added another, I don't know, probably 60 grand onto what I already owed from undergrad, which was also a private school. So it's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was at a buck 50 when I left PT school. Yeah. Which again, uh, sucks. But if you look at the current prices, I'm, I'm, mentoring kids and I'm teaching kids and I'm seeing kids come out with 150, 175, 200. I've seen as much as 250,000. Uh, and apparently that's not even the highest. There's been uh -huh. some people that ended up more than that. Makes me nauseous. All right. Which so is, we know the problem is bad. We know it's, we know, we know it sucks. Where do you come in? Because in your intro, we said your, your goal is to help at least 222 healthcare clinicians and professors pay off their student loans quicker, more efficiently. A lot of these people are, I mean, I know a lot of people in my class that graduated less than you know six years ago, saying I'm just going to ride these debts till I die. I'm just going to carry yeah. these things and pay the minimum. But I mean, I mean, a lot of these people just can't even get their head around it. Yeah, so it is a bit overwhelming, right? It can be for sure. 
So my thought was, okay, we weren't taught very well, but even back in high school, what credit cards look like and what student loans look like and debt and, uh, you know, houses and mortgages and all that stuff, right? We weren't, we, I don't think we were educated very well on that uh, as, as early as high schools as we probably should have been, right? So you get into college and you don't necessarily know exactly what you're signing up for. You just know, oh, they have loans. I'll just sign off on them. And then all of a sudden you graduate and they're like, all right, great. Here you go. Here's your big chunk of money that you owe us. Right. Yeah. So there was some kind of predatory things going on with these, these loan uh, companies, right. They were just giving out loans left and right. And then charging a pretty, pretty high amount and figuring out ways to kind of defer loans or find ways to add charges to the loans further down the line. Right. So my thought was, okay, if I just suck it up and I take full ownership of these loans and I say, look, I signed up for them. I kind of knew what I was getting into, right? It's 140 grand. What's my game plan, right? And when I first started out, the, the payments would have been $1,700 a month, right? Which is a mortgage payment, right? Okay. I was able to get down into uh, approximately $700 a month by switching to the income-driven repayment plan. And then doing a little more research with a certified financial planner, which I highly recommend. If you need one, reach out to me. I'd be glad to hook you up with mine. But uh, he switched me to the revised pay-as-you-earn plan, which dropped my payments all the way down to 135 a month and stretch it out over 20 years. But on the 20th year, whatever's left gets forgiven, and then I have to pay taxes on that amount. So it gets added almost like I made that in salary that year. So I now have 20 years to figure out a game plan to save and invest to pay off that tax uh, penalty that I'll get for the loan forgiveness. Where's where's the biggest amount of information you found? Because what I find is all this information is available. It's scattered all over the place. It's using words we aren't taught, right? We're smart people, but these are not our words. If we gave the financial people anatomical terms, they probably wouldn't get it either. So it's, you're, you're they're using jargon. So where, who was your best, you know, Yoda in this? Was it a certified, uh, was it a planner? Yeah. So uh, again, you could get start at like uh, studentloans.gov, right? And just kind of poke around, see what comes up, uh, look up FAFSA, do your research there, poke around, see what it has to say. But at the end of the day, A, that takes a lot of time and B, I just don't really want to do it. I don't want to learn that stuff. I have time I could use learning other stuff that's going to make me money or, you know, help me progress in my career as opposed to learning about this stuff. So I, there's certain things I don't like doing, even though I could do them and I outsource those to the experts. Right. So I started poking around at, you know, for certified financial planners. Well, that's great. The problem becomes not all of them know about student loans. So you've really got to find one that knows specifically about student loans and the different types, because there's about five or six different federal loans that you can get into, all of which work and all of which are specific to your life plan and what you want to do moving forward, right? For me, it didn't make sense to just try to pay it off in big chunks. So that's what I wrote about in the first edition of my book was like, I'll just make all this money with these side hustles, pay it off as quick as I can in big, huge chunks and be done with it, right? Some people want to do that. Some people just want the the loans off their back and that's totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. For me, it made more sense to drop the payments as low as I could use the difference then to invest and find other ways to generate income. And then by that 20th year, just put, you know, minimal amount away in some sort of, uh, you know, investment plan, like a, you know, uh, like a Roth IRA or something that's going to just generate me enough money to cover that, that tax break when I get it in the 20th year. 
it just showed like you talked a second ago and this one resonates with me and we'll get to some comments in a second because there's a lot coming in which is like i just don't want to do it it's over my head it's like the information is there but i don't get it i am 42 years old i have had 25 jobs in my life since i was 15 years old right working at golf courses bartender whatever i still don't know if i'm supposed to claim one or zero I have, I'm not married, never been married, no kids. I still don't know. Like, which one takes more out so I don't have to pay anything in April? Just explain that, and I have to ask the HR person that every year. Yeah, I, I, I go to a CPA for that because I don't want to learn it. Speak in Chinese. I don't get it. All right, let's, let's hit some of these comments. So uh, we can't see who this person commented on because they did it in our Facebook group. But someone says, white paper says PTs with more than 200K in debt puts you at risk for never being able to pay off debt at current salary levels. The water is coming in the reservoir faster than it's going out. So it's like you're net. Wait, no, it's going out faster than it's coming in. That's what that's the reverse reservoir. So yeah, you're you're underwater. You're never going to be able to at whatever salary unless you own uh, a string of clinics. But that's different. Saying a PT, I'm guessing this is a, a treating clinician. Valerie mm-hmm. chiming in saying PTA program there should have been about twelve to sixteen. Some schools close closer to thirty for PTA programs. Did not know that. She went to a community college, had some other student debt prior, but due to drop in work to focus on school, borrowed extra to survive, right? I want to talk about, I want to hit something that Valerie just mentioned there in a second. Came away with about 43K in debt for a PTA degree. I would love to know the, the, the difference in salary versus different in debt because 43 is a lot if, if, you're, if your income isn't a lot. She mentioned that borrowed extra to survive and pay bills. People will say all the time, we get into this like conversation, well, you should know how it works when you got into it, how much school costs. I went in as a second career professional, right? I was making a decent amount of money. I was making a 33-year-old Jimmy McKay version of money. I stopped working for three years. So yeah, it, school cost me X number of dollars, plus subtract three years of salary of what I was learning before, earning before that. That is another thing that people don't uh, haven't uh, put into the equation. Uh, BBA, I don't know what a BBA, what's a BBA? Bachelor's? Bachelor's degree? Bachelor's? Yeah whatever bba mba bs a pt cost with that with housing food etc plus a transitional dpt a decade ago 50k yeah that's what we were less than a, about a decade ago yeah wow so for for real quick just this is if if you're not quite in pt school yet or you're you're considering it uh you know, we have to look at the debt to income ratio, right? And realistically, you want it about one. There's no exact science to this. It's not, you know, direct mathematics. But basically, you know, whatever your starting salary is, you know, uh, over your um, your student loan debt or your student loan debt over your starting salary will give you approximate debt to income ratio, right? Well, your and- first year. So you're saying like, okay, let's say, what what is the average starting salary? I see it all different different places, but PT in the country, is 60, 70, 80, something like that? Yeah, it's about 70 to 72. So using that analogy, you want to owe 80 if you're going to make 80 in the first year. Now, keep Correct. Mind, you're not going to be able to just pay off your debt in a year because that's not how life works because you got right. taxes and insurance and rent and cornflakes and gas. And right. But now here's the thing. If I were to do it all over again, and I'm preaching this to my kids, and I hope they'll listen, but probably they won't. I would say go to community college for two years, then bachelor's in state for two years, then probably a state school for your DPT as well. Then after that, if you want to do any further degrees, it doesn't matter at that point because you probably saved enough that it, it won't matter. So that would be the the most uh, inexpensive way to do it. And I had a, a student on the podcast, on the HET podcast that did that, actually. Uh, and he, he you know, graduated with very little debt, which is great. I didn't do that. My undergrad, my parents paid for, right? 
Uh, I mowed lawns and but I, I was not putting a dent in your undergraduate, especially when you graduated in 2001. Going back as a second career professional, I literally was calling PT schools and I was like, okay, here's my transcripts. What do I need? And they're like, oh, you're a journalism communications major. So everything, right? And I remember talking to them. I was in Northeast Pennsylvania at the time and the University of Scranton is there. It's a great school. The radio station, actually, they, the University of Scranton ran ads. So I was like, maybe I could get a couple of bucks off or whatever. And I remember being like, seeing how much the classes were. And of course, when you're paying for classes, all of a sudden that, that you just get slapped across, there's sticker shock. And then I remember calling a PT program. I think it was Misericordia and being like, I'm thinking about becoming a PT. Does it matter where I get my credits? And she was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it, there's a community college and there's the University of Scranton. And she was like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, I need you to say that again. I need you to put it in writing because I would be a moron because I don't remember what it was, but it was like five times as expensive. So I went to Luzerne County Community College, baby, and yep. I took nine classes there. And that's how I got into PT school. Yeah. So I did the, almost the same. I went to Suffolk County Community College for a couple math classes. I went to Stony Brook because they, they had a class or two that that Suffolk didn't. And then when I was down in North Carolina, I was a state resident by that point, And I went to a UNCG Greensboro to finish up my math and sciences. Yeah, I, did, I think I did two classes at Coastal Carolina because I was living at the beach at the time. But Matt saying strongly considering P travel PT as a new grad to make make more upfront to knock off some of that debt struggles real. Yeah, people. So, so this will be a great transition, Matt. Appreciate you. Uh, you went in there with uh, with with your strategy. So, all right, now there's the debt situation. Let's be honest. Uh, this the the system isn't changing. What you can do about it and the strategy. Some of those that uh, F Scott just kind of share with you, like definitely take those into consideration. One of those would be hiring a professional. We preach that all the time. If you got back pain or you want to do whatever, hire a professional. Hire a physical therapist. Uh, do the same. Do the same and, and hire someone who knows how to navigate the financial system. But let's use Matt's comment as a pivot. Hey, if you're in this now, what are you up? You just up, up shit's creek without a paddle? No, yeah. there's some stuff you can do. Where do you start in terms of, okay, maybe you could work in different settings. Maybe you could uh, maybe you could be a travel physical therapist. Maybe you could launch a podcast or whatever. How do you kick off the side, the side gig or side strategy uh, model? Yeah, so I started as a traveling physical therapist my first year out. No reason in, you know, in particular, other than I just lost my dad, he had passed away, and I wanted to kind of travel the country and just see things. Um, I ended up in middle of nowhere, Texas, at a skilled nursing facility, only because it was a favor to the recruiter who then got me Hawaii on the next one. So I was out in Honolulu, Hawaii for five months. Yeah, yep. And then I uh, did home health there. It was amazing. I got to drive around the, uh, the, the island all day. It was great. And then I finished back up in Asheville, North Carolina, before I kind of settled down into the outpatient world for a little while. And you know, met my wife and got married, had kids, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So travel therapy was great. It pays well. There's uh, stipends left and right. They pay for, uh, you know, housing and rental car. If you're doing home health on an Island, like I was, uh, you know, <laughs> but there, there, there's, it's a great option. It, it is for sure. And the only thing there you have to worry about a little bit is being on an Island literally and figuratively. Right. I mean, you're not going to have mentorship per se. You're going to be out there doing your own thing and you're just going to have to be confident enough in your skills to go with it and roll with it, which I, I was at that point. I was a little bit older anyway, because it took a year or two to get in. So, you know, I, I felt pretty good enough in my skills at that point uh, that I could just run with it. But the other thing you could do starting off is you get your job or whatever. And let's say you're making 75,000 and your student loans are 80 or 90. Man, you could work PRN weekends at like a skilled nursing facility or something, pick up pretty good money. PRN pays decent, right? The problem becomes you're still trading time for money, right? And you're still having to go into a clinic on weekends and work those extra hours to make that money. 
And, you know, again, nothing wrong with that because the rates are pretty good. Home health is another great option, right? You could drive around for days and, and treat people and make 100, 150, even upwards I've seen of 200,000, right? The money's there if you want it, but you got to hustle and you got to work your tail off. So you're trading that time for money, right? And, you know, basically there's other options out there. And the good thing about physical therapy is even though we kind of have a branding issue and the, the public doesn't necessarily know what we mean or what we do, we have a branding issue. So it's a wide scope that we can do, you know, we can get into a lot of different things and it's using your passion, right. And using your, your, your zone of genius, if you will, to get into things that you really like and love doing, almost turning it into a hobby. Right. But then also getting paid for it, you know? And then again, as you start layering some of these things into a, a business, right. You can start backing out of it, not having to be there personally in, in, the flesh for hours making that money because the things you're doing are making money for you online or not passively because I, I don't really believe in passive income. I feel like there's a lot of front work that needs to be done, but, but there's ways to make money where you're not having to give up your time. I call it kinetic income. Remember kinetic I like that. energy? It's like yeah. push the bike up the hill and then you can ride it down and it's a lot less effort when you're riding it down, but then you want to get back up there well, you got to push it up. So you mentioned trading time for money. So I'd be remiss if we didn't come back on uh, bring up this concept, which is the four levels of value. You obviously, if you're if you're using if you're talking about four levels. Right. So if people haven't heard this before, and I think you need to, because I think people once they hear it, it's like putting words to an idea that you probably already know. So four levels of of value. The bottom step is implementation, and that is where you are directly trading your time for money. So the example in PT would be treating patient. You, you can't and shouldn't be treating two patients at once, right? So you can only max out at whatever you're going to be paid for that one hour of time. So that is implementation, right? You're implementing. The second level, second step, if you can envision a step, would be unification. And the best example in unification in physical therapy is like, okay, what if you are the clinic director or what if you manage a clinic or what if you own a clinic and now you are doing something your time your one hour of time can actually be amplified by several clinics or several physical therapists or, or ptas underneath you so that would be the second level of value which is unification the third is when we start to get interesting right the third is communication and that is an example of what you're talking about not passive but i say kinetic uh kinetic income if you uh, teach a class on how to get a student loan debt and you record that and then you put it online and you use like Kajabi or Udemy or whatever these platforms and someone watches it on Tuesday and then pays for a different person pays for it on Thursday. Well, your effort was done three months ago, but you're still making it. Now, I like how you say you don't call it passive income because I don't want people to start being like, make money in your sleep. You, you took years to understand that information. You shared it. So that's communication. And the fourth level of value, and I love this one, is imagination or ideation, I've heard people call it. If you can create something that did not exist before and then figure out a way to have people come to that, right? You have now created something that didn't, didn't exist. The example I give is, um, and you'll always hear this, well, there's only so much uh, lakefront property, right? You go to, you go to the lake, you go to Lake, in, uh, you know, lake George, upstate New York. There's almost so much lakefront, man. If you got a piece, you got a piece that's got value. And look at now what we do with the metaverse or the internet. Geography does not matter. It's one reason I left radio. It's like if geography doesn't matter, you can listen to a station from L.A. You don't have to be in Scranton and listen to Scranton. So that last one, that ideation or that, that imagination stage, I want people to wrap their heads around this because 
you are in fact creating more real estate. This this podcast, we got more than 900 episodes. I'm still getting downloads on episode six. For some reason, people are still typing something in that comes up, they listen, and then maybe they listen to six others. But I'm getting, you know, four or 5,000 downloads from when F Scott's episode drops, whatever day it drops. I'm also getting it six year, you know, six months later and a year later when people are finding that. So creating your own real estate. So for me, talking when I talk about the four levels of value, even with people who own businesses, they're like, I've never heard of this. They're probably doing some of it. They know it. But when you give them that structure of these four steps, and I, I always picture these four steps, and I always like to preface it, lower on the rung, lower on the steps is not worse than higher. This is not a good, bad scale. This is just how you can get an ROI on those on those different steps, right? So I have some people who are like, I love teaching and I don't want to give it up. I'm like, great, then you are on step one uh, and you are trading time for money until you can teach other teachers or manage other teachers or record exactly. it. Exactly. You can do, you can go up and down the steps all day, every day. You can jump up yep. and down, which you mentioned your umbrella example. Yep. You clearly do. So that's a perfect segue. Thank you for setting that up, Jimmy. But uh, radio segue, radio. yeah, the, uh, so basically the method that I use for that organization with the umbrella, I call the feel good method, right? Not uh -huh. just a clever play on my last name, but also, right. I, there. I see what you did. Yeah. Doing. Thanks. Uh, uh, you guys remember that eighties hairband that happened way before you were born. I had to get the rim shed there. Yeah. All right. So yeah. how do you do so, it? Okay. okay. So now you bring up a, another good point, right? If you're a teacher, you teach, right? That's how you make money. Well, that's how I'm making money now. And the reason for that is one, my wife's a stay at home mom and a type one diabetic, right? So we need benefits, not just medical benefits. We need good medical benefits. And luckily the university I teach at allows me to do that, right? I've, I've got great be medical benefits through them. So I, that's my nine to five. And it'll probably always be my nine to five, or I'll always have a nine to five. Hence the side hustle or side gig, right. because I can't leave those medical benefits. It's my golden handcuffs. And I'm fine with that. I've learned that that's my playing field. So everything I do and everything I add on to it has to be a side hustle or side gig. And that's how I recommend people start too. It started as a side hustle or side gig. The one step that I, I say you have to kind of take away from all this is that if you want to start making money, right, there's two ends of paying off your student loans. Either you cut corners and you stop buying the latte and you cut out Netflix, or you make more money. Those are the only options. Yeah. And no amount of Starbucks is going to get you paid off on your student loans. It's not going to happen. So the only option is to make more money. And again, you can do that trading time for money. That's fine. Or you start your own business, right? No matter what it is, it doesn't have to be a clinic. It can be, it can be an online business. It can be a service that you offer copywriting. I do a ton of copywriting. Anything you love and you're interested in, you're passionate about, and you would do for free if if you could get into more of that, right? And 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 do you recommend people uh, or uh, when someone comes to you and they're like, I like and these random things, how do I monetize it? Do you recommend them staying in and around the field of PT if they're a PT or if they're a healthcare provider, or go out, or does it matter, or mix it up, or like whatever your freak flag says? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I try to keep everything with one foot in the boat of healthcare and physical therapy, just because I'm I'm decent at it at this point. I've been doing it 15 years. I kind of I like healthcare, but at the same time, you can go way outside the field of healthcare. And, and start an Etsy shop and just be really good at like this handcrafted thing, right? We're doing an interview, Juliet, confirm on this. We're doing an interview in a couple of weeks with this girl, Sandy. She's a, a chiropractor and an artist. And she does this thing called Sandy Spines. I came across her on Instagram. She does this crazy, really cool art, but everything's like uh, anatomy kind of base. I'm like, I was yeah. buying a house and I was like, I know what I want hanging on the wall. Her yeah. stuff is awesome. 
now turn that into a digital product and nft right and we're gonna have to do, I, I mean, that's another episode that's another episode we're gonna need to under i'm gonna need to understand what the hell these are i'm not trying to be what i'm not being is these are ridiculous these are stupid because people said that about the internet and right. podcasts and whatever i just don't understand it we'll get into that yeah. later that yeah that's a whole nother episode but like okay so let's take the feel-good method right? right again like i said you you start with um you know healthcare or physical therapy right and again, for me, it was like, all right, I got to help people eliminate student loan debt. And the reason I picked 222, because at the time I wrote the book, that's how many PT schools were out there. So I wanted to hit oh, one from every school and it's gone up now. It's like 250 or 280 or something. It's getting ridiculous, but I'll still try to help them all. Right. So the, the, the method is basically to, to start your, your, your comfort zone, right? Your zone of genius, whatever, you know, you're really good at start there and just start one side gig or one side hustle, right? For me, I, again, I thought it was writing. I thought I was just going to be a naturally good writer because I was an English major. Uh, so writing my book was easy. That was a no brainer, but copywriting, I started trying to do some copywriting for my business. I started a mobile physical therapy practice. That was the first business I ever started. And, uh, I had to write ads. I had to write email sequences. I had to do all this stuff and I thought I could just do it. And I was terrible at it. Copywriting is a whole nother language. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to read about eight to 10 books of, of, you know, copywriters and listen to some podcasts on copywriting. And finally I got pretty good at it. Once I got good enough to do it on my business, I felt like now I could implement it to other businesses and teach them how to do it. So I started, yeah, I love, I love writing. I love writing. Right. So it made sense for me. It was a, I was still in the healthcare field. I was helping physical therapy clinics. Right. But then I also went a step further and I started doing like, uh, blogs for, for other healthcare providers, not in the physical therapy realm. I started ghostwriting. I helped ghostwrite a book for a urologist. Right. Uh, do I know anything about urology? Minimal, but I knew enough that I could be like, Hey, I can write this for you. You fill in the blanks. Right. And then I, I actually helped add a chapter about prevention because his whole book was about a procedure that he does and it's to give patients to educate them. I helped him add a chapter about PT and pelvic floor therapy yeah. that he wasn't even thinking about. And I was like, you know, I'm not trying to step on toes here, but physical therapists could help with that. You know, he's like, that's a good idea. We should add that. I was like, all right, done. So we added that chapter. Book. You brought value to the book. You brought exactly. zone of uh, it was zone of genius that you said. Yeah. Of genius. And mm-hmm. I can't help but when you look that up, I've done an episode on this on a half plan, which yeah. is uh, Ikigai or Ikigai. Yep. I always say it wrong, but it's that four Venn diagram yes. which about before. And this this led me to my newest job at Mount Sinai Hospital. So this is four circles that overlap. And in the center is supposed to be your purpose, right? Your purpose, your reason for being. And it's what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid for, and what you're good at. And a lot of times, I bet you, I bet you're going to agree with me on this. A lot of times PTs want to cross the good at what the world needs and love. And they're like paid for. Yeah, it would be nice, but I can't. We're so damn altruistic that doing something for money, we're like, absolutely. I, I feel bad asking because I'm a blue, right? The color game blue and orange and all that stuff. And um, this led me to my current job. And you're talking about your your umbrella. You're talking about the feel good method, right? I sort of accidentally backdoored my way into that too, which was. Um, I want to have a stable, I want to have a stable job. I want to have a nine to five with healthcare, whatever, all that stuff. But I also wanted to do that because of community. Like I wanted to have like a place where I belong. I didn't want to be the leader there. I actually don't. I want to be the Robin. I want to be the sidekick. I want to be the, I want to be the, I want to be the face man to the A team. I don't want to be Hannibal. I want to be face man. That's dating myself. 
And that's what I got at Mount Sinai with David Petrino and Mark Cortez and Laura Tabakoff and Jenna Tostamancuso is they work at a research lab and they're all doing experiments and they're all physiatrists or, you know, MDs or PTs. And I get to be, I get to have my communications brain on, but I get to have my brain, uh, PT brain on at the same time. So I get that. Then I get to do or uh, communications for the Academy of Orthopedics. Same situation, but that's, you know, it's, you know, X number of hours a week and I get to do stuff with there. And then there's a pot, then there's a podcast. So I think the days of 40 hours a week is what you need. I think the last year's last two years proved does your full-time job need to be 40 hours a week or can, or is your job to solve X number of problems? If you solve them efficiently F Scott, you shouldn't be penalized for that. Right. If we're really good at our job, and we solve it in 20 hours, you shouldn't go, well, here's twice as much work. Keep going. Well, I don't think you're getting twice as much money. If you are, by all means, put that work on there. If not, there's your work-life balance, right? Get real, get at a job where you can bang it out and be really good at, and then you can have these. Exactly. So that's been my quest for the last five, 10 years is finding a job that, you know, gives me the most bang for my buck on benefits, but allows me the most flexibility so I can work on my side hustles and side gigs because I love them so much and they're fulfilling to me. But nobody talks about that, right? It's money and title and 401k. It's like, hey, man, flexibility, time off. What's my day going to be like? If you make a lot of money, a lot, let's say double your salary right now, but you hate every day, that ain't worth it, bro. That ain't worth it. It's not worth it. No. So that's exactly what you do. If if you know you have the student loans coming down the pipeline and you've got to pay them off, right? Get a job that pays the bills, so to speak, and then supplement it with whatever you love and your passion and whatever you can build and grow. I will say this. If you have that time too, don't overlook. And I remember I just brought up Guy and I said, hey, make sure you can get money out of it. I will say this volunteering at APTA state chapters, local events, national, whatever, volunteering in your community. I know you might not get paid for it, but paid doesn't necessarily mean money. I'm because a lot of my opportunities have come from volunteering. This doesn't necessarily mean working for free. This is a trade. If you're not getting out as much as you're putting in, that's not really volunteer. That doesn't feel like the, the, a good exchange. It's not an exchange of abundance. So find a place you can volunteer that could maybe lead to something down the line. I you know you're saying that we gotta get paid for it, but not necessarily. So don't overlook. Don't discount volunteering. Right. So let's look at a couple things there. Right. One. We are altruistic, right? And there is a portion of our practice act that says we should be doing some volunteerism and pro bono type stuff, right? But I would flip it a little bit and say, if you make enough money doing what you love, the way you love to do it, you can then treat as many people for free as you'd like, or help as many people for free with a service you provide as you like. You know, if I can charge, you know, 10 people $200 an hour for physical therapy or, you know, whatever my services are, and then one person comes in and can't afford it. Well, I've made enough money off the, the 10 that paid their 200. I can offer a free a free visit for that person, right? So if you get that financial freedom and more importantly, the time freedom, then you can, you know, use your time and your services as you wish at your leisure, right? And that's where I think more and more of the volunteering comes in and the altruism comes in at that point. But another point that you brought up, volunteering has led to a ton of opportunities, right? Just the networking, the community, the the people seeing that you have a good heart and you want to help, you know? I did my whole dissertation on service-based learning and how I felt it was beneficial to not only the field of physical therapy, but to the community as well, right? And that's led me to, to other thoughts and ideas, uh, you know, and, and just other volunteer opportunities that eventually led to 
collaborations with people that I had no, I didn't even know they existed until I volunteered and did some stuff with them. Every job I've gotten since PT school has been through someone I've met through the podcast or volunteering or a mix of two. Yeah, absolutely. And you can, but I did not go into it saying, no, start a podcast so I can rub elbows with people and then get a job. If you're doing that, you will be disappointed. Right. If, you, if you do it honestly, you got a better chance of exactly. That's how I got my first teaching job. I had no business teaching there the first time I taught, you know, but I, I rubbed elbows with the right people. I had them on the podcast, and sure enough, a, an opening came up last minute and I happened to fit the bill. They were like, come on board, you know, come on down. So give me like a, give me your hot list of yeah. side gigs like that are coming. And then I want like a future one that you see coming down the line that maybe like a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So again, my big three is really writing. That's the first one, right? You can write. Uh, and I just, people don't recognize this, but I wrote a book, but I've got three kids books in the works now as well. Nice. They're all, they're all coming down the pipeline with the illustrator. So I can't wait to release those. Right. But that also means writing email sequences, copywriting, blogging for either yourself and your business or other businesses that need to drive up their SEO, right? Their search engine optimization. You can offer writing services to, you know, other people. So writing is a big one because it covers so many different ones, right? Right. The second one is probably online courses or online education. Take your knowledge, whatever you're good at, whatever you specialize in, even if it's just one thing, one niche and it up. put it out there in a course. I am uh, in the middle of, because so many people have asked me about podcasting and healthcare. Yes, I'm doing a course on podcasting specifically for healthcare people where nice. normally you'd be like, make it as broad as possible. I'm like, no, I don't we're niching do down. I want to do it for healthcare providers, not just PTs, but I want a little wider than PTs, but I agree with you on that second. Yeah, absolutely. Third? Uh, so the third one is, is probably uh, consulting or coaching. Uh, there's kind of a little bit of overlap with that, but like, you know, with, with consulting, it's more like people have a problem and you're helping them get over that or, or over the speed bump and move them along, right? They're stuck in an area and you're trying to get them unstuck. Whereas coaching is kind of coming along with them from maybe start to finish, right? Like a batting coach, you know, like they don't step up to the plate and take the swings. They just coach the guy along, give an outside perspective and feedback, um, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of uh, healthcare providers go into like life coaching, uh, you know, and business coaching. And I, you know, I see why, because yeah. it's, there's a lot of flexibility and people will pay for that because they need it. They need accountability. And you can niche down there. I mean, we've had Jamie Schreier on the show numerous times and he tells people, he helps people achieve what he calls practice freedom. He walked the walk for a while, made a ton of mistakes, figured out a ways around those mistakes. Now he says, listen, I've already made those mistakes. I see you about to make those mistakes, or I, or I could see you about to make those mistakes. And he jumps there, uh, jumps there, uh, uh, make sure that they don't uh, walk the same path um, in the future side hustle. I want to talk about th this last before we get to three questions, which is I feel like the ultimate side hustle that was like there for a minute. And I'm not hearing so much of it now is telehealth PT. Like that was a hot thing for the first year and a half of the pandemic. I feel like people were like, okay, we're back to normal. I'm going to leave this here. What's yeah. your thoughts? So I attended a, a good talk Um at CSM on telehealth rehab, actually. And uh, we talked after the fact, I think it was Fox Rehab, actually, that put it on. And I spoke with them afterwards about, you know, as of right now, the legislation said that, all right, all was well and good, but it's not a forever green card. We got to pull that right. back now. And PT may not be reimbursed looking right. moving forward for telehealth, right? So now, once again, we got to go back to fighting for it and be like, dude, really? Because the, the numbers show we did a pretty good job with it. Like, I think it's a thing. So just let it be. Right. So that's where I think we're going to run into a little bit of problems there. Um, I would say might... 
my my and I'll do an episode with with uh, with somebody from Mount Sinai about this because we're looking into this right remote patient monitoring is something you should be looking at. Yes, yeah, so that's great. Mike Eisenhart uh, and the APHPT group, right? They're using. Uh, He's yeah. been talking about that for two. We did an episode with him about that two years ago. Two yep. years. Well, yeah. No, no, no. This is how fast the pandemic goes. Four years ago. Yeah, yeah pre-pandemic. And so I think they presented on a little bit of their research with the wearables at CSM. But like, you know, Apple watches and everything are getting better. They're monitoring falls. They're they're letting people know when something happens, when heart rates go up. I think they're going to get close to blood sugar uh, measurements, too. I think they're going to be able to take those in the near future. So, we're you know, we're moving in the right direction with those, right? But I, I think, you know, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one that, that's going to look, uh, you know, like a future, yeah. um, I'm thinking it's population health. Again, not to, to harp on Mike Eisenhart's uh, train and, and beat on that drum for a little bit, but implementing inside of a business somewhere, a physical therapist that comes in and coaches health, wellness, uh, you know, uh, proper body mechanics, ergonomics, happier, healthier workforces yeah. That leads to healthier, happier outcomes for the whole business and everybody included. When when when, when everybody wins, everybody wins. Right. So, yeah. and you don't have to be there forty hours a week to do that. You can pop in once a week and do coaching. You can do uh, wellness visits online via telehealth type stuff. Right. We're all proficient at Zoom now, thanks to the the pandemic. So, you know, there's plenty of of options out there for for you know people to be an entrepreneur is is kind of what I call it. You know, in these businesses. Uh, hit them with the website. Where do you want people to go if they're like nodding? We're already getting questions in the comments. Hey, where would you, uh, are there resources uh, guide to price our consulting services? That's a great, I'll just tell you this. No one's ever going to tell you how much someone's going to pay you. You have to decide that. You have to ask. Whatever. I'm, I'll give a suggestion. Whatever you think you're worth, double it. There's yeah. some formulas how to get there, right? You take your, you know, your salary hourly rate and multiply by two and a half or three and a half. There's different like uh, formulas for that. But what you will get paid is what people will pay you. I mean, I, I know it's a cop-out answer, but it's not. I've had that struggle too, is what do I charge someone? Think about what, what kind of value you're bringing and then ask for that. And if you, because here's the thing, if you don't and you start working, every time you pick up the computer or the phone to do work for them, you'll be like, you'll be pissed because you're like, I don't make enough here. You, that's fault. So I would say if there's a guide, there isn't one, it's for you specifically because I don't know what problems you're solving. Yeah. And it's population based too, right? Like there is a population out there that will pay top dollar for your services and whatever you're offering, right? Even let's just look at PTs, right? Let's say you only treat cash pay out of network hundred percent, but you only treat professional athletes. Yeah. They may pay up to $500 an hour and they may spread you around all their friends and everybody's going to pay that $500 an hour rate. Right. I but, can't but, see who this person is because they it's just coming a Facebook user. So put your name in the chat. I would love to connect with you after after because I have been in the situation that you're asking in terms of consulting services. And I was like, I was like overcome with like stress. Like literally, I had a company saying, How much can we how much do you want for us to pay you to just be Jimmy? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what do I do? I froze. Oh, it's Tali. Okay, yeah, we can connect. Um, because that is emotionally like, oh my God, now I've got to ask. It's yeah. funny, right? Because when they offer you something and you're like, oh, that's not enough, right? But then when you're asked, what do you want? Yeah, they give you the blank check and you're like, uh, I don't know. Because you don't want, because again, you're blue, right? From the color game. You don't want to ask for too much because you don't want to seem like you're a jerk. And then you don't want to ask for too little because then you're, every time you pick up the computer to go work for them or you show up, you're going to be like, no, oh, this place, I'm not, I'm underpaid. We can talk through that. We can, because again, I don't know what problems you're solving. 
is it an hour a week? Is it 20 hours a week? Or yeah. maybe we don't, maybe we get outside of the time for money model from that first step of, of value. And we just say, what types of problems are you solving? What is it? I tell people all the time, what would you pay right now to never have to pick up your lawnmower again? What would you pay right now to never have to shovel your driveway again? The, an the answer is figure that out for someone else, right? Yeah. Like I hosted podcasts for Fox Rehabilitation for two, three years. It was worth a lot of money because they understood how they, you know, to my friends, they were like, I can't believe you just released three podcast episodes a week for Fox and they pay you like a full-time salary. I'm like, right. While I'm doing it, I'm trading time for money. But what I'm doing is I'm amplifying their SEO, I'm their reach. Those podcast episodes still exist somewhere and they're yep. still going. So that's that's the ideation and communication angles. So um, are you ready to do three questions? Let's do it, man. I'm excited. I'm pumped. And wait. All right. Three questions is brought to you by our friends from CBDRX4U.com. It's your CBD store. Get the ABCs of CBD at CBDRX, the number for you.com. That's CBDRX4U.com. We did some episodes with those guys uh, at the end of last year talking about CBD. And I feel like I saw CBD on the docket at CSM several times. That was not there last year. Maybe it was a little bit, but it's definitely was uh, showing up a little more. We talked about pharmacology with Chuck Saccone. So uh, three questions is uh, is brought to you by CBDX, uh, CBDRX4U.com. First question is a where question. You're in Texas. It's 70-something degrees. Great, because I was just in Texas along with 10,000 other PTs, and it was like 23 degrees and snowing and raining. But uh, where somewhere that you've been, because you were a travel PT, that maybe not a lot of people know about? Like, don't give me Hawaii, because everybody just, I mean, Hawaii's legend. Where's somewhere people don't know about that they're like, oh, this is great. I should go there. Yeah, I mean, I still think about uh, getting back to, you know, my, my home and, and the summers there in East Hampton, New York, all the way out on the end of Long Island there. Uh, you got the beaches, you know, you're still a train ride from the city. I can catch a Mets game. I can catch a concert at Jones Beach. Plus the food out there, the seafood's amazing out there on the east end of Long Island. So that's got to be my where. I, I miss that place from time to time. This just said it's February 9th. The Mets have been mathematically eliminated. <laughs> Everybody has. Come on. It's a lockout. We're not having a season. All right. Second question is a what question. What's something that you've read, uh, watched, or listened to? A book, a movie, podcast, something that you'd be like, hey, somebody should watch this. Yeah, I want to uh, I want to drop some value for people who are starting to change their mindset around being that, you know, nine to five therapist. I like to try to give you things that you could listen to and hopefully implement pretty quickly. So I would say uh, Smart Passive Income podcast by Pat Flynn, uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast by John Lee Dumas and uh, Alex Hermosi's book, um, uh, Hundred Million Dollar Offers. Those those three will get you in a new state of mind and you'll just it'll blow your mind what what those things can do for you. Last question is a who question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? Yeah, I'm going to go back to that volunteerism and, and altruism uh, and kind of go with uh, Patrick Berner, good friend of mine, uh, helped start PT in the community, which is a volunteer effort to get out uh, from the conference center at CSM every year and go into the community and help homeless shelters and help other people uh, teach education to younger, younger school kids. Uh, he kind of took that idea that me and Jerry Durham and him came up with and just ran with it. And he is killing it now. It is it is blown up. Uh, year over year. And thank you for the help on that PT in the community stuff. I think they raised like $12,000 this year. They did. They and did. Yeah. I remember talking to to Patrick at the Ortho event, like after he was done and relaxed and exhaled. And he was like, we spent it all. Like we spent it all. Like we gave it all. And I'm like, how's that feel? He's like, great. And I'll tell you this. He was helping. He was buying 
purchasing things that people needed, right? Yep. And a lot of people think of innovation as like technology and lasers and, you know, remote. I'm, like, I'm telling you, the best definition of innovation is I got from David Petrino, who I now work with. You find a problem that every, everybody looks around at it and says, it's not my problem to solve. Solve that problem and you're innovative. And Patrick Berner and PT in the community is the living definition of innovation. Yeah, uh, you can find him at at the Fuel Physio out there. And uh, yeah, man, he was buying diapers last minute. He was, you know, applesauce packets and, you know, underwear and shampoo and conditioner. It was amazing. And all the volunteers that came out, you know, thank you guys so much for that. He solved problems, right? And I wanted to get his, he also solved problems and wasn't taking pictures while he, you know what I mean? He was solving problems to solve the problem. He wasn't solving problems to get a photo of. All right, so that's three questions again. CBDRX for you. Dot com. Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. All right. The Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy brings you your parting shot. Find them online at orthopt.org. They've got a lot of things going on. They've just... Just released a couple of independent study courses. Uh, you can take them online, talking about amplifying and creating your own real estate, right? So independent study courses, find them at orthopt.org. Right now, just came out, bridging the gap between workplace and therapy clinic, more like an occupational health, right? How can you be helping people in their workplace remain in their workplace so they can make money and pay off their debts. Like, I mean, everything's full circle. So find out that course along with current concepts of uh, orthopedic physical therapy and a bunch more. See what's there. I mean, it's in the name. They're an academy of orthopedic physical therapy. So they're the leaders. Again, orthopt.org. All right, so parting shot, F. Scott. Uh, last chance for mic drop moment. Whatever you want to do, uh, it is your shot. Take your shot. Yeah, man. I, I think realistically that physical therapy should only be the tip of our iceberg. Right. I think we we need to get out of that nine to five clock in, clock out physical therapist mindset and think about all the other things we can do. Right. It's not going to be easy. I'm not saying starting a business is going to be, you know, piece of cake and you're only going to work 40 hours a week. You may work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Right. But it'll probably be worth it if it's something you love doing and you're passionate about, you know, and the key to that is not being afraid to be different, but be afraid to be the same as everyone right? That that's boring. That's normal. Think outside the box. Think of the things you can do that you can apply your, your skill sets, your, you know, organizational skills, your technical skills, everything that you learned and priorities and stuff throughout PT school, apply that to a business and just, you know, get your passion flowing, you know? Yeah. My boss, one of my bosses at Fox uh, called him Jimmy things. And it was like, we probably couldn't write a a job description for me because I just like showed up and I was like, I would always say, hey, what about this? Or how about we? Or what if we? And I always like start off sentences that way. Be, be that. Don't do not do Jimmy things. F. Scott's got to do F. Scott things. And Talia's going to do Talia things. And you're going to do your things. Like find out what those things are. Because this is the reason this podcast still exists. You really got to care about it, right? Because when stuff gets tough and you don't care about it anymore, it, you're going to bail. So make sure you care about stuff. F. Scott, are you still there? Or did you freeze? Oh, you're still there. All right. Yes, sir. Um, appreciate the time. Uh, check the show notes for the links of where you can find uh, F. Scott's umbrella. Get under that umbrella. Build your own umbrella. Maybe you could write a book called Build Your Own Umbrella. Got a couple know. lined up. I'm ready for it. I want to tell you what to do, but that sounds like a pretty good job. Right? 
Uh, the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours, guys. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.